All right, well, praise the Lord. Great to see you tonight. Thanks for coming out to church on a Thursday night. What a great thing to do, hey? I mean, all you men, aren't you glad your wife didn't take you late night shopping or something like that? And uh, you're in church. That's a good thing to do. Praise the Lord for that. Any night I can avoid going shopping is a good night. But any night you can be at church is a better night. And we praise the Lord for that. Uh, Thank you, church, for uh, honoring Pastor Fisher. That's a real blessing. Really glad that you could do that tonight. And uh, really, it's an honor for me to be here. Thank you, Pastor, for allowing me to come. Thank you, church, for allowing a Queenslander in your midst. I really appreciate that, too. And uh, uh, clearly, you have repented. And uh, we thank you for allowing that. Uh, But truly, also, it's an honor to be here and preach with you, Pastor. I feel you should be up here tonight. And I even tried to convince Pastor Hernan of that, but he didn't allow that tonight. So anyway, we are... Thank you for letting me preach tonight. My daughter literally texted me a minute ago and said, don't think I can't see you right now. So uh, there's a couple of problems with that. First of all, when did I get old enough to have a daughter who has a phone? Okay. And uh, second of all, she's, uh, she's putting the power trip on me. What's going on there? But anyway, hello to my family who are watching and uh, others who might be watching. Uh, now I can't tell all those stories I wanted to tell. Okay. <laughs> But uh, we're, we're certainly uh, glad that you're in the house of God tonight. Uh, I wonder if you'll pick up Genesis chapter 38. I had Father's Day the other day. I hope you had a good day. I know Father's Day, uh, it's a tougher day for many than Mother's Day, that's for sure. Uh, my children, I have four children. Uh, my daughter Sophie is our oldest. She's nearly 12. And uh, our youngest, Charlie, he's two. I've got two boys in the middle there. And uh, Alistair is in pre-prep, a bit like kindy. And they made presents, and he brought me home this portrait that they made out of little things, bits and pieces. And uh, along with that, they made a little list of things they love about Dad. And uh, the teachers sort of had to coax it out of them. And you know when teachers coax things out of five-year-olds, you never know what's going to come out, right? And it was five things I love about Dad. And, uh, uh, you know, it was, uh, he chases me, you know, and I'm like, well, that could be interpreted a few different ways. But uh, hide-and-seek, and, seek, and uh, he wrestles me, and he keeps me safe on the trampoline, and then he said, and he sings all the boring songs, you know, and I was like, I, I don't even know what he's comparing that to, but uh, anyway, uh, it's, it's good to have children, they keep you honest, and uh, my daughter is watching, and she's probably taking notes already, and uh, she made me promise today I wouldn't tell any stories about her, so now that she's watching, I'm going to break that, no, I won't break that, we'll, we'll be fine, uh, Genesis chapter 38, uh, I really appreciate the message last night, that uh, if you weren't able to be here, I... I recommend you listen to it, uh, talking, uh, Pastor Fisher talked to us about uh, not tearing asunder what God puts together and the bonds that we have in the Christian life and uh, what a tremendous insight and blessing that is for us to, to think about. I think the older I get, the more I want to make sure that I don't undo what God is doing and I don't put together what God is undoing as well. You know, both of those things happen. And sometimes we can get so caught up in uh, our own patterns or the way it's always been or whatever it might be that we can miss what God is doing. And uh, I don't want to get to heaven and God say, you tore asunder what I was putting together. Uh, So I really appreciate that message. Thank you, Pastor, and and, and thank you for your sensitivity uh, to, to the folks here. It's been a few years since I've been here and been able to preach to you, and I always appreciate coming, so thank you again for having me. I'm going to share with you from this passage here. Have you ever read a passage in the Bible where you've just gone, yeah, I don't know what that means? Uh, Well, this is one of those passages, and that's a problem because I'm preaching it, and uh, I still have 
parts of it I think I, I'm, this is a little, little perplexing to me. But I am certain that God has led us to this place tonight. This is something I'm preparing to preach at our church soon. I haven't preached it there, and that's pretty unusual for me. Normally I do it there first and, and, and perhaps preach it somewhere else. But I believe, I believe there's a similarity in your journey with our church's journey is you consider uh, hitting the, the mark of 25 years. Well, praise the Lord for that. Uh, praise the Lord for what he's done here in Western Sydney over those 25 years in the lives of people. Uh, many of whom are here and some who have uh, moved on, passed on, whatever else might have happened. Uh, but praise the Lord for that. I think it's really good that you've taken this year to uh, consider the legacy of what God's put in your midst. But can I also say this to you before we even read the passage? The fact that you would do that is wonderful and good. But it can also be a danger. And the danger is if we get too concerned with the memories of the past rather than looking forward to what God wants to do in the future. And you went very quiet when I said that. We start to die when we glamorize the days of the past in place of the blessings that haven't yet come. And we must be careful. And so I'm sure that God has given Pastor Fisher a, a theme mentally for the week and, and God will work that through. But I think there's a theme here. And I consider that because our church also, a little bit older than your church, but we, we probably in a similar kind of stage of the life cycle, if I use that phrase. Let me ask you this tonight. How many people, and I realize tonight there's some guests from elsewhere and, and pastors and friends, I appreciate that. Uh, pop your hand up if this is your church, okay? Just put your hand up nice, nice and high if this is your church, okay? So keep your hand up. I didn't tell you to put it down. No, but keep your hand up. How many of you folks have been in this church for 10 years or longer? It's a lot. That's a lot. Praise the Lord. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Now, praise the Lord. That's a good thing. But can I also tell you that's a dangerous thing? Because we all hit a point at which we get comfortable. And there's a good comfort and there's a bad comfort. Now, in this generation, we don't think there's a bad comfort. We, we just like comfort. Now, there's a good comfort. You're sitting in your chair with your favorite drink, watching Australia win the cricket. That's a good comfort, okay? But there's a, there's a bad comfort. And there's a bad comfort comes when I have all that I think I need. God has given it to me, and I'm glad he gave it to me, but I no longer want to really listen to what he might be saying in case it makes me uncomfortable again. And so please do not uh, think that my spirit is anything other than to honor you this week and to honor what you're doing, and I am your guest to be here for this special meeting. But I also want you to consider with me this week as we take a moment to reflect and to look this way at what God has done. May we also take some time to look forward to what God is doing and going to do. So good to see all these young people singing, isn't it? And can I say this? They are not our future. They are our present. And you need to say that because otherwise they'll be 50 and you'll still be saying, and they're our future when they've been your present for a long time. So let me read you this curious story here in Genesis chapter 38. It's in the middle 
we've been introduced to Joseph in chapter 37, and from chapter 39, essentially, it continues on in the life of Joseph. But in here, we have a story about Judah and Judah's family. And uh, if you think your family is messed up, you should have a look at some families in the Bible. And this is one that had a few troubles. Uh, For time's sake, I won't read all the verses, but Judah marries in verse 2, and he has a son in verse 3, and that son's name is Ur. Verse 4, he has another son called Onan. And in verse 5, a third son called Shelah. Now, verse 6 is where we'll start to read. And Judah took a wife for Ur, his firstborn, whose name was Tamar. And Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord slew him. Now, by the way, that's repeated three times in the Old Testament. In the, in the genealogy chronology, it, it goes to God saying, and he was wicked, and God slew him. He must have done something pretty bad. Because how many people here feel like you've done some things that God could have slain you for, but you're still here? God, God, God took him out. Whatever he did, God wasn't happy and God took him out. And verse 8, And Judah said unto Onan, Go in unto thy brother's wife and marry her and raise up seed to thy brother. Now, just stop there for a minute because to the average Aussie hearing that tonight, you go, ooh. But that was not uncommon in cultures of the day. And there's archaeological evidence that not just Abraham's children, but others, that was not uncommon. And by the way, if you know your Bible, in Deuteronomy 25, there was a... Uh, we call it the Levite uh, marriage. The, there was a command, actually, really, to, to, uh, to do this. And uh, you know the story of, uh, of Boaz, of course, the kinsman redeemer, really comes out of that passage where if a man was to marry a lady and he died before they had any sons, then his brother was to take that lady, that widow, and, and marry her, even if he was already married, and to take her and to... Uh, uh, have the first son would be named after the dead husband. And that was to continue the lineage of that dead husband in Israel. Now, I need to take a moment here because in 2019 in Australia, people are having less children than they've ever had before. In fact, I hear people saying, we're going to get married, we're not sure if we want to have kids. And I just need to tell you that for 6,000 years of human history, that's never happened. People have never said that. People have always understood that getting married and hopefully having children, if biologically I can and God allows, that that has been part of the plan. Now, God may close the womb and, and, and you know, there's all kinds of things there, but there has never been that mentality. So if you're in that mentality tonight, then I need you to understand that both from a human point of view and from God's point of view, the idea and concept of having a child was incredibly important to the people involved. Does that make sense? So don't just look at this and go, ugh, okay? Because if you go like that, I'm going to get afraid that you're looking at me and going, ugh. And if you look at me and go, ugh, I'm going to look at you and go, ugh, okay? And then it'll get a bit awkward. But, but th- this, this is a really important thing here because as God was, uh, of course, we're, we're very early on, you know, Abraham and Isaac, and of course we come to Jacob and now we're, we're, we're at Judah. We're very early on. But this idea of continuing the family line was very, very important. And you have to understand that to realize where we're going here. And so, so that thought there that dad would go to his son and say, I want you now to marry your brother's widow was not, uh, it was, hmm, that, that's important. 
So Judah tells him to do that. And that's the thought over there in Deuteronomy. Now, if you know the passage, do you remember what happened there? If that brother refused to do it, remember the woman could spit in his face in the front of the elders and take his shoe off. And he would forever be known in Israel as the man who had his shoe loosed. And that was a shame to him. So this is an important thing to remember. Now look at the next verse with me here. So verse 8, Judah says to Onan, go and do this. Now in verse 9, and Onan knew that the seed should not be his. So he has a responsibility here to do something. And can you agree, it's in his power to do it. It's right for him to do it. But now in his mind, he says, this thing is a blessing to others, but not to me. It's going to bring burden and responsibility. And he didn't want to do it. So in verse 9, it came to pass when he went in unto his brother's wife that he spilled it on the ground. I think the context there is over and over. It's not a one-off thing lest that he should give seed to his brother. Notice verse 10. And the thing which he did displeased the Lord. Wherefore, he slew him also. Hmm. Now, I'm going to go through the story as we go here. I realize some may never have read it. And it's a, it's a funny old passage. I bet you didn't think you'd come to church tonight and hear this, hey? But what, what's going to happen later, I'll give you a little preview, is... Now, now Ur's dead, and Onan's dead, and the third son, Sheila's too young. So Judah says, uh, Tamar, wait in my house until Sheila's old enough, and then he'll marry you. And imagine if you're Tamar, you're thinking, I'm none from two. This isn't looking good. Sheila gets older, and, and it kind of doesn't explain exactly what, but whether there's no interest or whatever's happening there. And, and anyway, uh, Tamar sees that this isn't going to happen, and so she hears about Judah going off, and she dresses herself as a, as a harlot would have dressed in those days. And she disguises herself and Judah and her have a relationship. And from that, she becomes pregnant with twins. Remember I said at the start, you think your family's messed up? Okay, a little bit, little bit of insight there. But I'm not preaching you to you on all the doctrine tonight. I, I, I think I might even get that wrong. I'm not standing here tonight saying, hey, I, got, I know it, everything in this passage means. But I tell you something God showed me here, and I do hope this will help you. If God showed me, and this is for, for the church I pastor, I think for you guys as well, that there is something so important here that God chose to put it in the Word of God and share it with us, that we need to understand it pertains to our own present and our own future. Onan, to me, represents people in the church who have got comfortable with the way their life is, but they have been given a responsibility by God to bear fruit. And you have the ability, by God's grace, to bear fruit, but you are refusing to bear fruit. Tamar is someone else in the church who also has the ability to bear fruit, but the difference is she has the desire to bear it. And Onan doesn't. Now, we could talk family, and I'm not talking family tonight. It's a picture here. Onan was given a responsibility under God and by his father here, of course, but he was deceitful. His deceit was so bad, it angered God so much that God said, I'm done. 
And that's not a good place to be. Onan had pretense. You know what pretense is? It, uh, it looks the part. Onan appeared to be doing the right thing. Because, let's be honest tonight, if God didn't put this here, how would you know about it? It's private stuff. So on the outside, Onan looked like a good husband. But behind closed doors, he was anything but. And this left Tamar in a horrible situation. Because after all, who could Tamar tell about this? You see, Onan was appearing to do the right thing, but actually doing the wrong thing. And I've been pastoring our church for 13 years now, and I can tell you about a few people who, boy, they come to church, they, they look good. They say the right things. Behind closed doors, they're a monster. Some of you are aware of a situation that happened in our church just a couple of years ago, two and a half years ago now. Sitting in my office on a Sunday afternoon and the phone rang and this lady on the other end of the phone said, uh, do you know, uh, and, and some of you know the lady's name, I won't say it tonight, but they said, do you know such and such person? She's Filipino. I said, yes, I do. And the lady with no tact on the other end of the phone said, her whole family is dead. And I said, oh. Is this a joke? She said, no, I'm here at the hospital. She's holding her dead baby in her arms. I said, what happened? She said, well, her husband and two children were in a motor vehicle accident today. Now, we had to wait 18 months because there are a lot of investigations, but her husband, who behind closed doors was being violent to his wife, took the children and said, I'm going to church today, but instead drove them in front of a truck on purpose. And can I tell you who that man was? He was the first man to give me criticism after a sermon and say, well, you know, if you're a bit more this and a bit more that. He was the first man to tell He looked the part. Man, you look, you look at him at the front door, he'd say, that guy, he's the first one in a Bible study who knew all the verses. But you will go a long way to try to convince me he's in heaven today. He looked the part on the outside, but underneath he was a monster. He knew all the right things to say. He grew up in church. He'd been in church over 10 years. He was comfortable. Took his two precious children and murdered them. Really, that's what God's saying Onan did here. He's saying he purposely refused to do what God wanted him to do. Now, let me take this to an application here. I realize I've created a bit of quietness tonight. I'm sorry, Pastor. The Lord will speak, I hope. Tamar, as I say to you, represents to us the person in the church who wants to bear fruit. And I believe tonight that there are people in this church who want to bear fruit for God. And you can say amen if that's you. And I, I'm, I'm with you on that. And it's not, you're not arrogant to say that. How many of you tonight would say, as I come before the throne of God one day, I do want to hear, well done, their good and faithful servant. As God would give me ability to bear fruit, I would desire to do so. But Onan, on the other hand, represents someone in the church and they can be a leader who appears to be doing right but secretly is actually working against the very plan of God. Let me illustrate this, actually. Pastor, can you come up here for a tick? I'm going to get two other people here, two, two young fellas, uh, two, two young guys I don't care what age you are. Two young guys, can you come and help me? Who's going to help me here? Not you guys, because you're not in this church, okay? So I appreciate that. 
But two, two young guys from the church here, before your pastor nails you to the wall, okay? Get, come on down, guys. Come on up here. Okay, pastor, just, just come up in the middle here. Okay, for the purpose of the story, this is Judah. Okay. What's your name, brother? Johan. What's your name? Jai. Which one of you wants to be Onan? <laughs> Paper, scissors, rock? No. Okay, Jai, you've, you've inherited the, the tag of Onan, I'm, I'm sorry to say. So let's all say, oh, for Jai, okay? So Jai gets to be Onan here. Now, now he, here's, the, here's the thing. Judah has stood up in the church and said, let's bear fruit for God. And Tamar, now, did you ever think you'd be married to Jai? Okay, <laughs> for the purpose of illustration, okay? No, we're not doing that. But Judah stands up in the church and he says, church, I have a vision. God can do amazing things even in seven hills. And all God's people said? And Tamar says, I'm in. Let's do it. And over here, Onan says, I'm in. Let's do it. But now Judah goes back to his, his bedchamber. He's finished the message. And now uh, Onan and Tamar wander off. And Tamar has a desire to, to, to push forward here. But Onan is holding her back. Now, there is an application to the family, isn't there? You know what I don't want to do? I don't want to be the one who stops my wife from having a good judgment seat of Christ. And I say in a lot of places that I think my role as a pastor is a lot about helping you have a good judgment seat of Christ. I really believe that. But Onan, as a leader in the church, he also has a role to play. He's both receiving, but he's also to be giving out. And Onan, in our story, he sees a responsibility and he has, as we said, an ability by God to actually do the thing that he's been asked to do. And by the way, God never asks you to do something that God won't equip you to do. So he has the ability here to fertilize the fruit that, that, that God wants to bring forth. But Onan refuses to do it. And because we're a part of a church, this case in the Bible, it's a family, Onan is not an island. And Onan's actions affect Tamar. Onan might be a leader who is in church on Sunday and pastor says, let's go forward. He says, yes, amen, praise God. And then he gets in the car and says, there's no way we're doing that. And underhanded, in an undermining way, he is frustrating what God is wanting to do with his people. And poor old Tamar gets in the car thinking, wasn't that good today? Judah said, God's going to do this thing and, and we're for that. And then Onan just takes a big pin and pops that bubble and right there. And Onan is guilty of being deceitful. Now stay there, men. Onan is guilty of, of not fertilizing. Perhaps he doesn't want to fertilize that, that next generation because he fears they might take his place. Well, I, I've always done that here. I'm the one who's always done that. Maybe he doesn't do it because he fears he might lose control. And there's nothing more sinister in church than someone with a bit of authority who's a control freak. 
Who here wants to work for a control freak? That's what I thought you'd say, okay? That, that no, no one wants to do that. No one wants to do that. No one wants to be serving in a church under a leader who is lording over. And Onan here, maybe if you'll just look in the text with me real quick, these men will stay there, help me out here. He just, we're inferring a little bit, but he, he says he knew that the sea would not be his. And I wonder what went through his mind. Hmm, I'm going to have to raise that child. That's going to cost me money and that's not mine. I don't want to do that. See, he's selfish. He's selfish. You see, church for Onan is about Onan, not about God. Church for Onan is about himself and not what God wants to do in the lives of others. Onan wanted fruit, but on Onan's terms, not on God's terms. He didn't want to share his wealth. He didn't want to share his, his food, and he definitely didn't want to share his power. But here's the worst part of it, and then I will move on here. Rather than saying openly, which I actually would respect, rather than saying, actually, you know what, I'm not for that. He's in every meeting saying, I'm with you, Pastor. I'm, I'm with you guys. Yep, yep, I'll be there. Let's do that thing. And then privately, he's living a lie. He's living a lie. Now, you know the answer, but was God happy with it? And see, Onan here, and Joy, we don't, we don't believe this about you, okay? I just want you to know that. I, I don't know you, but I'm pretty sure you're not Onan, okay? So don't go home and tell me, oh, pastor, call me Onan. All right, don't, don't do that, okay? But Onan, in this decision, is going to give up and forfeit every blessing he could have had. Because as we read tonight, you wouldn't know about Onan except, oh, he's the guy who God killed. No one here tonight's, oh, and Onan did this and Onan did that. No, no, we're all here tonight saying Onan's the guy that God killed. Onan's the guy who had opportunity in the line of Judah to possibly be the one who brought about the lineage of Jesus. Did Jesus come from Judah's line? So, so Ur's dead. How many of you think Onan's got a good shot because there's only two sons? I know we're not abetting people, but how many of you take those odds? One in two? Why is it that when I take one and two with my wife, I still lose every time? But anyway, well, you take one and two. Onan's got a 50% chance just by natural means. God said he, that Judah, it's this lineage. Onan's got a 50% chance, but Onan was more concerned with himself. Now, here's what I'm saying to you tonight. And here's what I'm saying to our church when I get the chance to preach it there is, if you're an Onan, first of all, I'm begging you with all of my heart to just be real and stop being fake. Please. Because over here are some precious Tamars. <laughs> Did you think he'd come to church tonight, Johan, and be likened to a girl? I'm really sorry about that. Okay, you're going to go back there and they're going to go, ooh. <laughs> just if they do that, just say, own them. Okay, just, just, just. But there are some precious Tamars all throughout the room here tonight. And you might be young. You might be old. 
You might be male or you might be female. But your desire truly before God is to bear fruit for the glory of God. And what we don't want tonight is Onan's standing in the way of Tamar's. And so if you fall in the category of Onan tonight, can I ask you, just humbly, I realize I'm not your pastor, but can I ask you to get real before God? To stop making it about you? You see, something else happens here in this passage. And I realize that we delve into some territory here now that is a little strange because of how it all works its way out. But again, there's an application for us. Onan tried to hold Tamar back for his own benefit. It's a bit like the ten spies who brought an evil report, isn't it? They were entrusted leaders. They were Actually, it says there in Numbers, and they were rulers of the people. And they brought an evil report. And it cost them and their families. Their families wandered in the wilderness till they died. And God killed them with the plague. Because it it does appear in Scripture that when God would elevate you with opportunity, when he elevates the opportunity, he elevates the responsibility. And so if you have been privileged to be given some kind of role, being an onan is, is doubly concerning. But here's the flip side to that, and this is where it's really amazing to see, is that God has a way of dealing with Onan that won't prevent Tamar from bearing the fruit that she desires. Now, I realize as I say this, you say, whoa, 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 the way she bears children here, I wouldn't advise it. I'm not advising that either. Okay, are we clear on that? No one misheard me tonight. I'm not advising the method. Are we okay with that? But the Old Testament, especially Genesis, is full of stories where, well, they did that a bit strange and God still seemed to work something out. Tamar, and this is something we also need to realize, whether you're an owner or not, if Tamar has such a desire to bear fruit, then Tamar will try and find any way she can to go and bear fruit. And here's one of the things that's a danger to us who've been in the church a while. And I'm just speaking to you now a little bit like I just speak to our church. When we've been in our own church for a little while and we kind of know everything and how it all runs, and, you know, we, we, we're thankful for Judah, but, you know, I've heard that message before. Thanks, Judah. Appreciate that. You're not, you're not you know, just try and bless me. I'm not getting moved. And I'm just going through the motions a Tamar comes along and, and, and Onan starts to feel a bit threatened and Onan refuses to do his part to help Tamar be fruitful. Be careful, Onan. Number one, God might just kill you, spiritually speaking. He might just move you aside. But number two, God will not prevent Tamar from being fruitful. And you know what I found a lot? And, and he, he, I'll just be honest with you tonight. You might criticize me for this. When I was younger... And, and I was sort of new in the church, new in the faith, all those kind of things. I never really heard people criticizing what anyone else was doing because we were so concerned with reaching out to new people that we didn't have time to think or care about what anyone else was doing. But as time goes on and we get a little bit more comfortable, isn't it amazing in life 
how people want to justify their own poor performance by making someone else look worse than them. You ever done that? Who here has worked in a workplace like that where someone's path to getting to the top was to stand on top of everyone else? Instead of saying, oh, I'll be the best I can at my job, they climb over other people to make them look bad. That's how they get promoted. You understand what I'm saying? Now, we can be this way in church when we start to be, well, and I know you live in the shadow, I realize that, of a very large church. We, we live in the shadow of a very large one where we are too. A very large one. Five minutes from our church, they just finished a 2,500 seat auditorium, church with Baptists in its name, but very, very different. If we're not careful, we can start to justify being Onan by looking around at everyone else and criticising their methods. Now, tonight, are we all okay to say we wouldn't want our daughter to use Tamar's methods to get pregnant? Are we okay with saying that? But Tamar had such a desire to bear fruit, she was more focused on getting the fruit than on the method. Did I just make you nervous? You ever been so poor that you just would have done anything to feed yourself? Maybe not. But let me ask you a question. Would you really condemn a man who stole a loaf of bread to feed his family? You see, I fear sometimes that we've got a little too comfortable and there's a little bit more of the spirit of Onan, unfortunately, than the spirit of Tamar. And then here's the real problem. We get a Tamar in the church. Maybe it's a young man. He says, I just want to do something great for God. And you say, be quiet, boy. You, know, you just sit down and, you know, you just wait your turn, which is 45 years if maybe you're lucky because you haven't learned our methods of fruit bearing. But that young guy says, I just want to bear fruit for God. And that young girl says, well, God, God's given me a talent. I just want to do something for God. And you know what happens? While you're so concerned with making sure it's all right, you end up spiritually dying and they go about it another way, but they still bore fruit. Because here's the point, brethren. Please look up here just for a minute. Because if God wants them to bear fruit, God will find a way to get that fruit born. Are you with me? Now remember what I said earlier, I'm not, I'm not advocating for Tamar's method. But God will find a way. Now I realize this, is, and maybe this is good, I preached this on the first night because if it's too uncomfortable, I'll just get on a plane tomorrow and go back and... And, 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 and we'll talk about state of origin next year or something like that. We'll, 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 we'll just be out of here and Pastor Fisher will be preaching more than he thought he would be, okay? Well, but we can sit here all we like and say, well, that church group and that church group, are they bearing some fruit? Because Jesus said you'll know them by their fruits. So look at what God did. Onan refused to lead Tamar the way that he should, so God killed him. God got rid of, God got rid of Onan. We never hear of him again. That was it, done. He died. No more. When you're dead, no more fruit bearing. But actually, we do hear again of Tamar. 
because she gives birth here. Would you go down a little further and you can read the story in your own time and I appreciate tonight that I've probably put some parents in it. Some kids will go home tonight and be like, what was that about? Uh, ask me again in a few years. And you can go through the rest of the story at some other time. But look at verse 27. It came to pass in the time of her travail that behold, twins were in her womb. And it came to pass when she travailed that the one put out his hand. And ladies know how dangerous that is. And the midwife took and bound upon his hand a what? A scarlet thread saying this came out first, and it came to pass as he drew back his hand, that behold, his brother came out. This is interesting. And she said, how hast thou broken forth? This breach be upon thee. Therefore, his name was called Fares. The one that came, literally came all the way out first called Fares, but the one who put his hand out first is the second one, Zara. Verse 13, afterward came out his brother that had the scarlet thread upon his hand, and his name was called Zara. So here, I need two more young men. Who are you going to call up here? Just get two guys that we're going to pay out on Johan for being a girl, okay? Just make sure you get these guys, okay. You know, these look like fine young twins, okay? Uh, have a look at them. They, they, they definitely look like brothers from a different mother, okay? They, so what's, what's your name, fellas? Jack? Jai. Another Jai. Oh. <laughs> Not only have I called you Onan, I've got your name wrong the whole night. Please don't go home with a complex, I'm really sorry, okay? Oh, I apologise, I'm sorry. So, Jai and Daniel. Alright, hold hands. No, don't do that. So, so now, you know what's happened in the story here? Is we've seen all that's going on over here and... and, and what, what happened, and, and just allow me to use the story. Again, I'm not going into the doctrine. You got that. Can I give you all the disclaimers here? But Judah had stood up because Judah had been raising a family. And now in the church, Judah here is preaching. And he had some people in the church. And one of them was Onan. And he said, now, Onan, go forth and bear fruit. And Onan and Tamar were, were there to bear fruit. And now Onan didn't want to do it. So now God has allowed that Judah would bear that fruit with Tamar. And Onan is the one who missed out on the process of the blessing that God had available in his life. And God allowed that blessing to come back through Judah to Tamar. And now Tamar has these two boys here. Do you know what their names mean? Fares means to break out and to breach and to break forth. And, and Zara means a bright light is rising. And do you know what's really interesting about, about the firstborn? is that he's got the scarlet thread. Do you know what's really interesting about the second born? Is he's in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Did you know that Tamar is one of four women in the Old Testament in the lineage of Jesus? Now think this through with me. You know who the others are? We've got a lady named Rahab. There was a scarlet thread there as well. Remember they had to hang the scarlet thread on her, at her window so that when the walls of Jericho fell down, everyone else's house fell apart, but hers stayed. Talk about getting a good price on your land value going up. Hers, hers just went through the roof. It was the only one that survived. Why? Because she had a scarlet thread. That makes me think about a Passover, where the only houses that survived the angel of death were those that had a scarlet thread on the doorpost. And here the scarlet thread is tied to the, to the, to the arm of one of these boys. It's a symbol of two things, royalty, and redemption. 
And through Tamar giving birth to these boys, there is a symbolism here that her fruit has been born and there is a redeeming aspect in her life and she has now been included in the royal lineage of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? And I'm simply saying this tonight, that if you are an Onan, can I ask you very humbly tonight to repent? If this was our church and I was pastoring, I'd also say this. So, so I'll, I'll say this and then he can go. I, I would say to you, repent or go away. Because we need to put to death the spirit of Onan. Can I say that again? Is that okay? Will you extradite me to Queensland? We need to put to death the spirit of Onan. God has not brought everything to pass in you and your church and all the things around about you for you to take that precious seed of the word of God and spill it on the ground when you have the very power in your hands to do something with it to bear fruit for the Lord's glory. Onan was about Onan. Tamar was about God's glory. And God said, I'll judge Onan for that but I will also reward, or reward Tamar. And even though it might be a bit of a funny way, we're not, we're not dealing with that so much, as what came forth from Tamar and through Judah, God chose by his grace to include in the lineage of Christ, symbolized with the scarlet thread, symbolized with what their names mean, she bore fruit. Let me ask you this tonight. Though it's a strange story, who came out looking the better, Tamar or Onan? I just muted myself. Some of you are saying that's divine intervention, okay? <laughs> what comes forth here is fruit that is in the eternal record of God. And brethren, that's what God wants us to bear. Because I've heard all those messages. You've heard them too where people get up and say fruit is lost souls. It doesn't say that. Fruit you'll bear is the fruit of the Spirit of God. And the fruit of the Spirit of God, last time I checked, is not something I can produce of myself. It is miraculous and divine and wonderful and everlasting. And God brought something forth out of Tamar here because she's willing because she desired it. And there's something. We could, we could sit tonight, and, and we might well, and I, I'm, I'm not going to presume something on that. We could argue the ins and outs of how it all works. Yep, that's all fine. But some, God saw something in the heart of Tamar that he chose to include her in the lineage of Jesus Christ. He took one who through no fault of her own, who wanted to bear fruit, was being prohibited by someone in the church who should have known better. And God, who has a heart for the widow and the orphan and whoever else there, he raised up through her something for the glory of God. So I'm saying tonight, and I'll close here, if you have the spirit of Onan, could you, could you just quit it tonight? Really sincerely. I don't know any other way than to plead with you and say, could you just get real? Stop being a fake. If you want to be a fake, go and be a fake somewhere else. God's house ought not to be a place for people who look the part, but underneath you're a monster. That is not welcome. But secondly tonight, can I say, if you have the heart of Tamar, and you say, I, I'm, I'm just, 
I'm just me. I'm nothing special. And when I say that, all God's people say, amen. But I, I'm nothing special. But all I want to do, God, is have something that bears fruit for your glory. If you would say that before God tonight, can I encourage you to know that if you will just give that to God, there is a way God will bear fruit. Because even if right now there's an owner who might be trying to prevent you, God's able to take care of that. And God is able to bring forth something magnificent, something that breaches and breaks forth in your life. And I wonder tonight who would say, yes, by God's grace and by God's doing, I want to be a tamer. I wonder who'd say that. I wonder if there'd be some young people who'd say, well, I I don't know as much as my pastor. I, I haven't been to Bible college. I don't know all those things, but I know this. God has given me some opportunity and I want to bear fruit for God. Would there be anyone like that tonight? You'd say, yes, in your heart tonight, I want to bear fruit for God. You might be 85, you might be 8.5, but you want to bear fruit for God. I finish here where I started. Some of you have been in this church for a while. That's a blessing. As long as you don't become onan. And as you have inherited life from a generation before and thank God for those who came and labored to get this church up and going and perhaps won you personally to the Lord. Praise God for that. But guess what? It's your turn now. Are you passing it on or are you spilling it on the ground? Because we're a, we're a cog. You see that whole story of the lineage of Jesus. It was one generation passed on to the next generation, on to the next generation. And this story bears this truth out, that Onan forfeited his part in all of that. Is that true? But Tamar didn't, praise God. God still found a way to bring it all to pass. Let me, uh, fellas, you can all go and take a seat, thank you. Let me just make a point or two here very quickly and then we'll be done. You know what we need tonight? Is we need in our heart the same goal that Judah had. Judah's goal was, listen, Ur is gone. God's dealt with that. But Tamar needs to bring, bear fruit. Judah went and said, Onan, I want you to go ahead and be a part of this fruit-bearing exercise. We, we need that heart. When your pastor stands up and he says, folks, God has put before us an open door. And we need to reach forth. We need to breach forth. We need to go forth. And for the glory of God, labor for him. We need some people who would stand and say, Pastor, I'm Tamar and I'm with you. Can you say amen to that? Not convinced? I really would expect everyone to say amen to that. Your pastor stands up and says, by God's grace, we can go forward. What, you mean in Western Sydney in 2019? Yep. Yep. Because God's still able. He says, let's do it. You know what? There ought to be 100, 200 Tamars who say, yes, let's go forward and bear fruit for the Lord. Judah, pastor, be encouraged. There are some times when God takes out a wicked Ur, and he might even take out a wicked Onan. But I do believe here tonight there are some passionate Tamars too. Tamar, don't give up. Don't give up. If you've been saddled to Onan for a little while, can I say, God, here's your cry. God knows. And if you have desire to bear a fruit, I really believe that God will make a way. How many of you believe tonight that God does make a way in the wilderness?
He is that kind of God. Tamar's methods certainly weren't perfect, but as I say, God saw something in that in which he blessed. Maybe that's why others grow when we don't. Purely and simply is their desire to bear fruit. And then together, let's have a funeral service tonight for the spirit of Onan. Let's put that down in an altar and say, Lord, I've been too critical. I've been living too much for myself. And frankly, if I'm honest before God, I'm part of the reason why this church isn't going forward. And I'm not saying you aren't going forward. I know you've had a good year. But if God would bear witness to that in your heart tonight, would you have the courage to say, Lord, I'm sorry. I've been holding on to too much for self. I've made this about me instead of who it's really about, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. If you desire God's glory tonight, would you stand up and be a tamer? If you desire to bear the fruit that God has made you to bear, then don't die barren. Stand up and watch God break forth. Would you have a word of prayer with me? I'll invite your pastor to come tonight. Father, we thank you this evening that we can be in the house of God. And Lord, I want to say firstly how much I appreciate this church and these people and their willingness to come out on a Thursday night. I know many of them are tired, they've been working, and Lord, I know I've taken a liberty tonight to speak in the way that I have. I thank you for the testimony of this church, which certainly goes across states and also across waters. Thank you for the many folks in this church who have labored, have borne fruit. We thank you for them. Father, as we take a moment now to just consider ourselves and our families even before you, I pray the Spirit of God would speak to our hearts. Lord, I know folks have been praying tonight. I know folks have been praying in preparation for this meeting. And so with that in mind, I really ask, Lord, that you would do something in the hearts of those you're speaking to this very moment. With their heads bowed and their eyes closed tonight, I want to just uh, take a moment just to ask a question or two before we're done. And, I, and I'm going to ask you not to be looking around. I normally get people to stand for an invitation, but purposely I want you to sit tonight because I want to ask you this question. As I've been preaching tonight, if you believe the Spirit of God has been speaking to you, would you acknowledge that with a raising of your hand tonight? You'd say, Pastor, God's spoken to me as the message has gone forward tonight. Well, praise God. Anyone else tonight? You'd say, God's spoken to me. Praise the Lord. Many hands. Well, let me be bold tonight. And I, I haven't asked Pastor if I could do this. So I appreciate I'm a guest. Sincerely, if you just raised your hand, and if you would say, by God's grace, I want to be Tamar tonight and not Onan, I wonder if you'd stand up you'd stand in your place right now. No one's looking around, it's just you and God. You'd stand up and say, by God's grace, I want to be a tamer. Whatever God has for me in my local church, I want to be a tamer and bear fruit for God. I believe God will see you tonight. I realize tonight there might be some who can't stand and that's why no one's looking around. We're not judging anyone else here. But by God's grace, you say, I want to be a tamer. I want to be a tamer. Anyone else tonight? Judah says, let's go forth and bear fruit. Tamar says, I'm in. I'm in. Let's do it. Don't be an onan. But let's do it. Let's bear some fruit for God. If you're standing in your place tonight, 
I will welcome you to come to this altar and have a word of prayer. I welcome you to have a word of prayer where you are. Maybe if it's husband and wife together and you've both taken a stand tonight, maybe you just pray together and God will hear you this evening. Again, no one's looking. And I'll invite Pastor to come in just a moment. Pianist to come. But perhaps tonight you'd come. Just uh, take a moment at this altar this evening. Bow the knee and say, Lord, I want to bear fruit for you. I thank you that I've got to be a part of this church for 5, 10, 15 years. But if you haven't returned, I want to be a part of the next 25 years. And by your grace, I want to be a part of the generation that will bear fruit. We will not be the generation that died off under the judgment of God when we had great opportunity, but we forsook it. But we will be part of the generation that will break forth. Thank you for the scarlet thread upon my life. And we will be part of the generation that will go forward and bear fruit for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father in heaven, would you bless these folks who are praying, who are bending the knee. I pray, Lord, I pray tonight for those who haven't stood and who haven't yet decided, Lord, please, through your mercy and goodness, would you bring them to a place of commitment and desire to serve you. For those who have bowed the knee this very moment, thank you that you hear each prayer that is now being prayed. I pray you would strengthen Pastor Hernan, enlarge him in the eyes of this people. I pray you would strengthen these young people and these older people and all who have put their hand to the plow tonight and said, Lord, for the glory of God, in my day, may I be counted as a fruit bearer for the kingdom of God. Thank you for the privilege of these folks being out and about tonight. I pray every blessing upon them and may you watch over them. May you hear our prayers. And may you help us. If you're still sitting tonight or you're standing and you want to come, it's not too late to come. You'd say tonight, I want to be a Tamar by God's grace. God is waiting. God is giving opportunity. And the choice is yours.